Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Ian Hates Music Conversation Edition of 2017. You heard that right. 2017, can you believe it? We're already done with that shitty year, 2016. Now it's 2017, and I wanted to start this year off right, so I found a great person and a great band to speak with. I'm very excited to announce that the guest on today's Ian Hates Music Conversation Edition is Josh Wade of the band Sienna Skies. Now, if you listened to the show before, you know we have definitely mentioned Sienna Skies a lot, especially with their brand new album, A Darker Shade of Truth, that came out in December. It is an amazing album. So I was very excited to get a chance to talk with Josh, and it was a really, really fun conversation. So you know what? I'm not going to hold you back anymore from it. We're going to start off by playing the single from A Darker Shade of Truth called Divided, and then it's right into the conversation. So without further ado, here's Divided. Listen to 
wonder if something is wasted Something is wasted Cause you And welcome back, everyone, to a brand new awesome talk we're about to have with Josh from the band Sienna Skies. You're over in Australia right now. You just got back from Japan. How are you feeling right now? How's it going, Ian? Thanks for having me on the show, brother. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. So, no, a little jet like lag? Just a little. Like I said before the show started, you know, just that, uh, just that small time difference makes such a difference. And you said it's two hours, right? Yeah, it's about it's two hours and. Um, but yeah, it just it just adds up for the longer you stay up on tour over there, and the you know the later you wake up, and then you gotta add an extra two. So basically, it's like four hours. You're just doing nothing back home because right. you're trying to get your body back in shape. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, what's your normal adjustment for that time difference? Like, does it take you a day or so, or are you you know you out of it for a week or something? Oh. Uh, Generally, just do nothing, really. I find that I won't go back to – I'll specifically make a window where I don't have to go back to my uh, like real job outside of the band. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll just try and sleep as much as possible, get back to eating normal stuff you would at home and <laughs> sure. just, just stuff like that. Well, what is the plan right now for the band itself? Because you just went on that little tour after having The Darker Side of Truth just recently come out. Where's your yeah. mind at? What are your guys' plans? Uh. Well, basically, at the moment, now that we're back from Japan, we're focusing on uh, UK, which we will be heading out in a, in a couple of months, a few months, going to the UK for the first time. And um, that in itself is going to be an adventure because we've never been there before. So we're sort of just uh, making all preparations to make sure it goes as smooth as possible. Very nice. Is there any place in particular that you're looking forward to going to or you're trying to make happen? Yeah, well, we. this is a... This is a first, but uh, yeah, we uh, we also do. We're also doing Europe as well. Oh, um, very that's nice. not that's not announced yet. But um, uh, pretty excited to go through Germany. Really, that's mm-hmm. that's one part we've had a real strong following there since day one. Um, our first record did extremely well there. We've never had the chance to go over there. Not to mention uh, like record sales for our f- most recent records as well. Germany's just been really, really strong. We've had a lot of love from there and. We've never had the chance to go there, and now we're going there for, I think, five shows, and it hopefully will be awesome. That sounds awesome. I mean, that's great. Have you yourself been over traveling there without the band before? No, no. Um, I've only ever been overseas with the band, um, and pretty much, I guess that speaks for the whole band, except for Thomas, our singer. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been in New Zealand like four times, which isn't that far. It's just across the water. You know what I mean? Sure. It's, but, but it's still an adventure. You still need your passport. It's still fun. Right. <laughs> um, 
Uh, we did a three-month-long tour of the U.S. in mm-hmm. 2013 right. on the Scream It Like You Mean It tour, which was absolutely incredible. Right. And and now we've done uh, Japan twice, and it's we love going overseas uh, and traveling. It, that's that's the best part about being in the band is the most rewarding. It's the most rewarding thing seeing people from the other side of the world sing your songs and tell you their story of how they found out about your band and you know just stuff like that. It's really it's really humbling. I saw some really great Instagram pictures and pictures that you put on social media from Japan. Tell me about the experience on that one. Oh, uh, dude, we how would I, how far would I say in, in 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 America? I think we probably walked about nine miles a day. Nice. Um, in over the five days, we play a show, wake up the next morning, and then just walk everywhere. And we'd go see every castle, every temple, mm-hmm. every shrine, uh, any site that's worth going and checking out. We just walked and seen everything. And we did that every day. Um, we'd play a show, go back, get like six hours sleep, wake up, walk everywhere all day, whichever city we were in. Mm-hmm. Then uh, make sure we had to be back at the venue at a certain time or back for a bus call at a certain time. And then just... Do it again, play the show, sleep, get up, walk all day, get to the checkpoint where you get picked up in the van or to the venue and repeat. <laughs> wow. Did you have a guide or anything? Did you know what you wanted to see or was it literally just walking around? Oh, it's a bit of both really because uh, our, our booking agency in Japan uh, has a crew and they have a crew, they supply a, like a translator, a host, um, tour manager, a driver, um, so everything's, everything's so well organized and runs so smooth, but, uh, this time we were more by, they let us go out by ourselves and we just, we were fine. We know the train system there really well now and know our way around and it's, it's pretty, it's a lot easier. The first time they walked around and made sure we didn't like go to the wrong place or get yeah. lost or anything. And, you know, just, just small things, you know, like knowing how to use a ticket machine that's in Japanese for train tickets and stuff, just knowing what buttons to press and knowing what stations what. But a lot of stuff's also in English or can, you know, you can just press a button and it starts oh. speaking. The machine starts speaking to you in English. It's, it's, oh. it's so easy. It is, it is, it's, it's easy now. Now that we've done it before, it's easy. Oh, very nice. Was there any major highlight that really like capped off that trip? Oh, this time, last time, the first time we went there, we wanted to go to Mount Fuji or we just sort of wanted to see it, but it was a, it was a warmer month and, uh, when we went there the first time and it was heaps of fog and like, I think it's, it's like sulfur or pollution or something. And it's all in the air and it covers like the view. Right. Um, it's like volcanic sulfur stuff, I think mm-hmm. coming off the mountain and you can't really see it and the clouds are low and whatnot. But this time in a cooler month, it was just sun was out. It was so clear. So I think going to Mount Fuji and checking out the waterfalls, like the cascades that run off the like the water that melts and runs off the mountain and creates waterfalls like seeing all that stuff was was awesome like the i like seeing the stuff that makes you feel like you're in a postcard yeah some of those were some of the pictures i saw and yeah it just looked yeah. amazing absolutely yeah, amazing. That, that uh that mount fuji uh the feeling i got when we finally got to see mount fuji up close and just got to take it all in was sort of like the i guess the feeling i got uh when we're in upstate new york and we went to niagara falls we're just like whoa we're at niagara falls bro (laughs) sure right right, right. yeah very nice taking it back a little bit to music then what is that difference 
I've never been to Japan. I've actually never been to Australia yet. I've been around Europe, but I've never made it to those two. What is it like touring with the music you're playing between the United States, New Zealand, Japan, and Australia itself? I find the, I think the whole hard rock, I, you know, post-hardcore, I guess you could say, scene is pretty similar um, all around uh, the fans that come, come and listen to this genre. I think it's pretty, it's very similar. Uh, people react in different ways though. Like in Australia, a lot of the time people are like, I guess, you know, crazy. A lot of people like to, you know, like mosh, fight, dance, <laughs> jump, on pe- jump on people's heads, go crazy. Our scene's always been quite strong for that throughout back when metalcore was gigantuous, mm-hmm. like 10 years ago. Like we've, it's always been like that. New Zealand's very similar because they're just across the water. I find the U.S. is, um, I, f- I found the U.S. is very similar as well, but there's some markets where it's a little bit more tamed, I mm-hmm. guess. Okay. And if you're not one of the, and when we toured there, we were obviously an opening act. So um, when you're not the draw card, people are there to sort of more check you out than get into you because they don't know you. But, but certainly in different markets when we played, the U.S. was awesome and we had a great response. And it felt like just playing at home, like playing, yeah, it was it was brilliant, especially when we played like uh, we played the Marquis Theatre in Denver, and that was just like playing at home. We were like couldn't believe the response we had. It was incredible to be that far away from home for the first time and and getting that response. And then we played a church hall in uh, El Paso, Texas, on an off day show with mm-hmm. Hawthorne Heights, and oh. that was amazing. Yeah. Um, where else? Uh, we played when we played the the big bo- the big room of the Palladium in in, in, Bo- in Massachusetts in Worcester. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that was. <laughs> That was like playing at home too. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, I've seen this. I've seen this venue on the Kill Switch DVD, and I'm playing on this stage. Absolutely, and people, are, and people are singing like this is this is this is mad. Right. <laughs> but, um, but there was other markets as well. We played a lot of shows and just trying to think. But um, yeah, the US is very similar as well. But uh, if you're playing a smaller market, um, yeah, you know, we've really got to try and perform our guts out, and you know, try and spread the word of who we are, and hopefully have those people go home and tell their friends to check us out and. Well, that's what it's about, just grinding and trying to open yourself up to more people. Absolutely. Do you see that same response in Japan as well, especially with the Uh, language barrier? uh, It's fine. Uh, With Japan, you play um, Tokyo. You can play so many places in Tokyo because it's so big. They they Mm -hmm. have like, just in Tokyo City itself, they have two times our entire population. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. It's just gigantuous. (laughs) So, um you can play so many different suburbs of the city and whatnot. And people still come out. So shows in the biggest cities, like in like in Tokyo, it doesn't matter where you play, are generally really good. And people like to mosh and sing along and whatnot. It's great. Then you get out to the outer outer cities, and it's sort of uh, it's like a respect thing they have. They don't go. Some people in Japan don't. In some cities, they don't go to shows to go crazy and sing along and you know, run on people's heads and stuff. They sort of go there to be, enter- they go there to be entertained and they sort of stand there like, like statues, like they're watch- like you're walking- watching an orchestra kind of thing perform. Oh. And it feels really, it feels really weird while you're playing. You have these people like standing there, like just nodding and taking it all in with a smile on their face. And then the song finishes and you say, thank you. And then there's this big clap, whistles, cheers and stuff. Cause they're like, that was their, oh, it's sort of like, yes, you, you performed that song great for me. You know what I mean? Like, it's very interesting. Wow, that's something I've never experienced before. So that's got to be a little strange being an interactive band like you are as well. It um, it's it's it is weird, but like you know, we it's 
it's, it is very different in Japan. It's really cool. Like we, our, our vocalist Tom knows enough Japanese to, um, to speak to people between songs and introduce the band and say thank you and, and all that kind of stuff and tell them how to, like, you know, when he, when he wants them to jump or come forward, he, he speaks enough basic uh, Japanese for a vocalist to interact with the crowd. But when he does need to speak in English because it's a long sentence or he has something he wants to say, they can still understand it. A lot of people in Japan speak English quite well. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's the same in Germany. I think you'll find that as well. Most people will be able to speak English too. Yeah, cool. No, for sure. Well, I look forward. That'll help me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I think you'll have an awesome time there too because Germany is really, really fun. Well, we're, we're, we're a big beer drinking band, <laughs> so we kind of look forward to it. <laughs> Cheers to that. I'm going to take a drink oh, right now. I mean, yeah, all about it. So, I did want to also, you know, we obviously want to talk about that, but I did want to congratulate you. Obviously, you heard the review that Jackson and I did for the new album. I want to congratulate yeah. you on such a great album. We both uh, really enjoyed it. Oh, uh, thanks, dude. Yeah, we put a lot of effort into it. It was, um, I don't even know how I came across you guys and, <laughs> and the podcast. Actually, no, it was on Twitter. I, um, it, you guys tweeted at us saying you did a review. So I'm like, oh, I listen to podcasts. Who's, who, who's this guy? <laughs> right, right. So I checked it out and I was, it was it was pretty funny to listen to. I was I was laughing so hard, and I told the guys about it. And I said, I was like, that's why I had to tweet at you and said, every good album deserves a good blah. Yes, <laughs> and that's what I was gonna, <laughs> by the way, you know, we've both been in the scene. Obviously, you're making great music. I've been listening for you know most of my life to this kind of scene music. Is there a yeah. name for that? Is there a name for the blah? Oh, dude, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. I love it though. I love it as well. It's just, I know, we're not the only ones doing it. I, I, everyone does it. I guess it's just a part of, yes, it's just a part of it. It comes with the comes with the territory of these genres. I guess I don't, I don't know. It's a thing people. It's a thing people do. Yeah, it's a sign it's of respect. Sound, it, it, yeah, it's just a. I know it's. A, I mean, I can't even. I don't know we just do it. Oh, <laughs> I'm not no. even gonna try. I'm not even gonna try and do anything with that question. It's, it's just the way it is. That's one of my favorite tweets, though. I think given oh, from you. a band. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> well do me a favor tell me what was your mindset going into this one with tom being you know he hasn't been the new vocalist for that long really you did the reissue of yeah. seasons before right yeah so with this one now doing brand new tracks what was it like working together on that honestly <laughs> it was the easiest record we've ever written very nice <laughs> very nice it was um we had we didn't feel like we had any pressure on us whatsoever. We had nothing to prove to anyone. We just wanted to write good songs that people that we enjoyed, that we think people would enjoy, and just uh, put a nice you know because with the new vocalist you know it's a very it's a very difficult thing to change you know a lot of people are so especially when you're you know three albums and, a, and an EP into a career right it's um you know it's very difficult to for that process to swing through like a lot of, it, it, it ends a lot of bands you know what i mean yeah but fortunately for us you know like thomas has been a friend of ours for years and years he's come overseas with us before just to travel sell t-shirts and drink the beers you know what i mean <laughs> like he's kind of, he's come just for the hangouts before and that's australia new zealand um australia many times like he's just been there for us and um we've known him for years and he's a been a very gifted uh, singer and screamer in the Sydney hardcore scene for 
the whole time. Like we've known him, he's sung in older bands, like bands that we've known for years that have that have gone now, passed on and passed on. Oh yeah, pass- ended, <laughs> ended their career um, or stopped stopped being a band. Maybe yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, he was a, uh, and yeah, he was always around the scene. So um, when it came time to actually, uh, how do I say this? When it, when it came time to actually, you know, needing to find a replacement or find a new full-time vocalist uh, for our band. Uh, Tom was there for us. Um, he, he said he, yeah, he, he was just there for us. And um, as a friend and very talented guy and we love him to bits and couldn't be more thankful to have him part of the band and doing what he does for us. And, and for him as well, like we're seeing awesome places and, you know, playing music. We hope people enjoy now. And uh, like, well, yeah, like it's just, it's been great. He it was a, it was quite the smooth transition, you know. Steve, um, when we got back from the US, uh, Steve moved cities and uh, had some stuff going on with uh, with a career opportunity and stuff that he couldn't pass up, and he just felt like uh, it wouldn't fit with um, with what the band had planned, like mm-hmm. um, touring some more, like touring a lot more aggressively and right. whatnot. He was he sort of wanted to focus on his life outside of the band and. You know, he explained that to us and he, yeah, he just didn't feel he could continue anymore. And, um, and Tom was just there and mm-hmm. Tom, when, when we told Tom, Tom basically said, well, I guess I'll see you guys at practice. And we're just <laughs> like, and we're just like, oh, it, was, it, was sort, it was sort of like, what? And he goes, come on, man. As if you motherfuckers weren't going to ask me, hey. <laughs> it was like, it was like, yeah. And, um, yeah, so we just, so Tom filled in for a couple of tours and then we asked him if he wanted to be in the band and um he said he said yeah you know as long as you know we're, we're traveling and uh playing playing shows and you know seeing new things and writing good music uh we'll we'll continue you know we've been a band for a long time so yeah. we really um that's what we all want as well you know just to be able to keep the ship going and trying to write the best music we've ever done and um you know i think i think we've I think we've done that it's we're really really happy with a dark shade of truth and the whole uh concept of uh I guess the artwork and the name of the album and stuff came from Tom. It was uh, his way of, he's been there from the start and seen what we did with our first album, Truest of Colours and all the, and our other records. And he thought it would be a nice way f- to put his touch on what the band's already done. Ah, sure. That's where, that's where the concept of the artwork comes from and stuff. Cause Tom felt like he was writing darker music, mm-hmm. um, but it was still Sienna Skies and, um, and it was just his touch on it. Now, was that also to go back to that third album after Steve left? You redid Seasons. We didn't redo Seasons. We, um, you know, Seasons is Steve's album. We, you know, we love the album. We love the songs in there. Uh, came out great. Uh, unfortunately for us, it was the time that the album came out, and that's when, like, Steve thought it was best for him not to continue doing music anymore. Um, uh, so. That happened as soon as the album came out, and we still wanted to push the record. So um, we redid uh, the song Even Stronger and did an acoustic version of it. Right. As well as, well as did the single Quarter Life right. with Tom, mm-hmm. brand new song, and added those two to the Seasons record um, and put it out a bit more. So that way we're pushing the record we're proud of. It's our record with Steve, and we're very proud of it and, and love it. The way the songs are, we're not going to change them. Yeah. I misspoke when I said that. What I more meant was you reissued it with those extra tracks in it. Yeah, and you actually yeah. have Quarter Life in a darker shade of truth as yes. well. Right. Yes. 
we chose to do that because um, uh, Tom really wanted to put it on there just because uh, it was the first song he ever really wrote with the band and he really wanted to be on the first record he did with the band. So That makes total it was sense. Just, it, it, was, it, it was just fitting and we thought, yeah, cool, let's go ahead with it. So for this... And, oh, sorry, go ahead. And no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask for this album with writing, you said it was very smooth. How yeah. did the process of writing take place? Did Tom write all the lyrics? Is this more of a full band kind of look at everything, or do you split this, off for different parts? This was one of the. This is like the one of the real first times where everyone was involved in everything. Okay, like absolutely everything. Um, like Tom was like screaming at us, not screaming at us. He was <laughs> asking us very nicely to you know, send him lyric ideas. And if we write lyrics, we write words, doesn't matter if it's a one line or if it's a sentence or it's a whole song, send them to him, mm. you know, be involved. Uh, he, he wanted to hear, you know, what we had to say as well. Cause we're, you know, we're a group of five guys and this is our record together. And mm -hmm. it was a real big team effort the whole way through. Uh, Tom wrote heaps of guitar. I wrote heaps of lyrics. I wrote piano parts. Um, Nicholas writes heaps the music with Tom. Damon is Damon's attention to detail. Attention to detail on drums is incredible. Mm -hmm. He annoys the hell out of me because <laughs> how long he spends on it. But it's for the best. It's for the best in the end. Mm -hmm. um, and Michael is Michael's a lot like me. Michael's kind of like an initial riff guy as well. Like he'll come in with this riff and then go, "Here's the ingredients." Tom and Nick cook it up. You know what I mean? Yep. And then then you're just there to support and uh, just give the give the guy, tell the guys, this isn't where I was visioning this song going. I was visioning it going more here and mm. just, just talking our way through it. We just uh, recorded in Nicholas's home studio, all the pre-production and wrote it all in there. Um, the songs were also written whilst Tom was overseas living in, living in Canada. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was, that's why, uh, that's why we had sort of like a bit of, bit of a downtime for about six to eight months because when Tom joined the band um, and did the, album launch tour for seasons with us mm -hmm. at that time he was only filling in for steve but uh when he did that he continued to sing for the band since then ah so yeah so when when um so we did that that uh tour with tom and then we played a bunch of other shows and tom was we already knew that when tom said he would uh he'd he'd love to do it um he we knew that he was going over to canada for better good of a year okay um already because he likes to he likes to go snowboarding and work snow seasons and he lives for that kind of stuff so we already knew he was going um and we thought that'd be a great opportunity for us just to go into hibernation and start writing mm -hmm. like just write like crazy and um we were sending him songs he was sending us lyrics and we'd be on skype and stuff and we'd yeah we'd just do it that way and uh a lot of a lot of things people don't know is that uh tom when we did the reissue of seasons with tom we actually had Tom fly from Vancouver to Seattle to record vocals for the Even Stronger Acoustic because that's we did that whilst he was overseas. Ah, okay. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, he was over there. He came back. We knuckled down into, uh, into finishing writing the record and doing pre-production. Yeah, went in and now we're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. You had mentioned that you did a lot of lyric writing as well. Is there anything or any track that you're particularly proud of in that respect? Uh, for myself? Yeah. Oh, um, my biggest influence lyrically was the last song on the record, the piano one. Yeah, Separate, Separate Hearts. Hearts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I came up with the initial, like the first verse and the piano for the first verse, uh, lyrically and yeah, lyrically and musically for the first verse. And then I 
gave it to Tom and Tom basically just switched my words around to make it suit uh, his message for where he thought it was going, sure. which was totally fine um, and made it so much better. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song. It really is. It made it so much better. And then Nicholas is an incredible piano player um, and he just took over and wrote it all for me because I literally can't play piano at all. But you're able to write for it though? Because you mentioned you were writing some of the piano parts. So you write it, but you don't yes, play it? What I mean by writing piano is I stand, in, I sit in front of it and go, where is this? What am I looking for? Press <laughs> button. That's what I'm after. <laughs> I know how to play a chord on it. Yep, now I know where that, now I know that's what I'm after. That note, there's a chord. Cool. And I'd find the, all the chords I need and I'd be like, Nick, play that. Gotcha. Okay. It's, I, yeah, I'm not gifted on piano at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, where Nicholas really is. Um, and then, yeah, so we just started writing through that song. Um, I was involved in the, lyrically in the first verse and the chorus. Okay. And then, like I said, Tom, Tom changed the lyrics around to suit where he, the story was going to go, which was, which was brilliant. And then we all last – on Seasons, we really wanted to get uh, JT from Hawthorne Heights to do a song on, on the record. Right. Because uh, he's a really, really good friend of ours. Um, we've toured with them a few times now and – He's a guru and it's just, he's just <laughs> hilarious and he's got all the experience and he'll, yeah, he's, he's a great guy and he helps us out a lot. So, um, we, it was, um, it was amazing to have him on a song and I think we picked the right song and the right lyrical content for him to sing as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That song turned out really well. I'm actually going to see JT. He's doing that acoustic tour with in yeah, her yeah. own words and I'm going to go see that I think next yeah. month. Yeah, yeah I, see, I saw that just got announced or whatever, yeah. That should be good. Now, let me ask you this just as a hypothetical. Yeah. For a next album, is there anyone that you would choose to do a guest vocal spot if you had the ability to? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot there. I, we, I'd really love to have our friend Chris from like Monster Flames on a song. Oh, sure. Chris just, you know, I've known, I've known Chris for so long when he used to even sing for a graceful and those kinds of bands mm -hmm. back in the day right before like Monster flames was even a thing um he he can just do so many things with his voice and it doesn't matter what or where we'd want him to do what what we'd want him to do on a song and where he'd be able to capture exactly what we're after in his own unique way and it would just be incredible because right. chris's voice is just unreal that's me personally i'm sure everyone in the band would have their own dude they'd love to have on have on a song Oh, absolutely. But that's why I wanted to know for you who you let yeah, definitely. I think, I think Chris, because he's just so unique and he's a good friend. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes total sense. On that kind of track, since you know we're coming up to the end of the year, any album or any albums that you have really loved? I'm such a podcast listener these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but when it comes to, I, th I think my top three. Well, the three albums that I've really, really enjoyed and I've listened to just multiple times mm -hmm. would be the new This Wild Life record. Okay. Um, the Too Close to Touch record. Sure. Yeah. I really enjoy that. That that guy's voice is unreal True. and the band's just kick ass. Um, I found out about those guys because they recorded with Eric Ron in, in LA and we actually did pre-production with Eric Ron for seasons whilst we were in LA as well. Oh. Um, and when I seen Eric post a, uh, a face, Facebook thing saying, check out this record I just did, I'm like, yeah, I'll check it out. And I was just like blown away by it. So yeah, too close to touch is another record. Mm -hmm. And then, um, the record, you deserve an Island by Chase Hugel. And he's another in Vogue records artist, a soloist. 
Oh, he's, okay. His record's really good. Interesting. I'm going to have to look that up because I swear I've heard that name before. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe that's, you know what? I know where I, I read that name. So I was looking on In Vogue's website today. Did you know that you guys are in the alumni section of In Vogue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be because the website probably hasn't been updated since we uh, re-signed with them. I think so. I think so. Yeah. I just, I got a laugh out of that one. We, we, we were in, well, we were with them um, for two records and then, um, yeah, the two records were up. So they obviously moved us over there and we were writing for so long. I don't know. I, I still, we still spoke to Nick at the label. Nick's a really great guy and we, I talked to him quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I guess we just got moved there and it hasn't been, uh, hasn't been uh, put back <laughs> since we re-signed. <laughs> How have In Vogue been with promotion of the album? Like, are they happy with everything the way it went? Because it seemed to be critically a very good album, like received well. Yeah, it seems to be going really well. It was a fast process, this record, though, like really fast. Fast, like we've never never released an album so quickly before. Wow. Okay. Since, we, since we got it straight out of the studio, it was in motion straight away. So, um, yeah, we finished recording in like late September or something like that, and it was... Yeah, out December 2nd. Yeah, wow, that is a quick turnaround. That is the fastest turnaround <laughs> I've ever heard of, let alone <laughs> myself. Um, but we really wanted the record out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it seems to be going great. In Vogue have always been fantastic to us. They, when you know, when we first were looking for, for a label uh, years ago, they were the one label that just didn't bullshit us, just straight up told us how they felt and gave us an offer like so yeah. quickly. It was just very... Very honest, upfront, no bullshit, mm-hmm. just, just sweet. And they were, uh, you know, we were able to negotiate a couple of small things, and then they even had them updated for make it a little bit artist friendly and send it straight to us, like in like two hours. Like wow. it was, they've been fantastic. And uh, when it comes to promotion, like they for the Scream It Like You Mean It tour in the US, that's that's not a cheap thing promotion wise uh, for a label contribution. You know, they they did that for us. Um, uh, whenever like our music videos, the uh, alternative press, um, premieres, yep. um, our iTunes feature artists and stuff like, ev- man, they've, they've just done everything. Like they've done so much for us and we're, we're thank we're so thankful. We, that's, and we, we'd rather work with a label that's genuine, genuinely interested in working with us rather than mm-hmm. just being another band on a lay la- on, on the, on the label. You know what I mean? Right. No, absolutely. That's great to hear. It's always great to hear when a label takes care of the artist because you do hear so many horror stories. Yeah, you, you do hear a few. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, Nick's Nick's cool. Like he he uh, was on board from day one. So when you talk, when you can easily contact the CEO, it's like when you can just call the cell of a CEO and just shoot the shit for an hour and ten minutes on the phone, it's like. It's the best, you know right. what I mean? Like, I don't have to worry about, oh, he's in a meeting, oh, he's on vacation, or he's doing this. It's just like, what's up, dude? You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, and yeah, he can't, like, when we played uh, in Michigan and stuff, like, he popped up and watched us from side stage and hung out with us for the night and mm-hmm. just talked with us. And dude, he's, he's just a genuine dude. And the whole team there at Invogue is just good blue collar Midwestern folks, you know what I mean? Right. We love them. <laughs> no, that's that is great to hear. And it was interesting. I did want to ask you this too. So you brought up about how tough it is sometimes or how expensive it can be to put on a tour in the US, you know, being in Australia and having to come yeah. over. How is that new that law that they're passing or the extra fee that they're putting on getting an outside visa 
for bands to come and tour. Do you think that's going to affect your chance or your choice to come tour the United States in 2017, 2018? This is the first I've heard of this and I'm not happy about it. Oh, we did not. <laughs> I think, uh, well, I want to say four or five shows ago, there was okay. an article about that and Jax and I mentioned it and we we discussed it because we're pissed because the, we love so many foreign bands and I guess it's another... I don't know, 160 to like 200 something bucks. I wish I had the exact figure on top of every single person that's coming over. That's how much that fee is going up for whatever card you need to be able to come over and tour. Yeah, well, like I said, I don't really bullshit. So um, last time we came over, uh, our visas to, to play music in the US for three months cost us $1,200 per person. All right. That's before flights, that's before renting a van, that's before anything. Just for us to have a piece of paper in our passport Mm -hmm. that says this guy is a musician and he can play music in America Mm -hmm. legally, that costs $1,200 per person. Right. And unfortunately, (laughs) I think that's the value that's going up. So that'd be fourteen hundred per head, technically. Possibly, then. yeah. If I have, and I don't want to misspeak. I know we talked about this before, and there is some fee mm-hmm. for bands that are going up, and that's the unfortunate part because we're pissed about it too. Because we want to mm-hmm. see you guys come over, we want to see bands come over and tour the U.S., but it's going to get really expensive. Yeah. Well, it's if. Well, I hope it's only like if it's going to go up. Hopefully, it only goes up two hundred dollars per head because I wouldn't want it being like something stupid where I heard in Canada or something I heard it was like every member of the band has to pay $200 a head per show or something what? I'm like what do you mean like you're telling me my band has to pay $1000 for us to play one show in Canada to get paid 150 bucks wow like I don't it just doesn't you know because we've never been to Canada before so we'd mm-hmm. obviously be opening and like making very little money so it just just be like that's if that's if I heard that correctly a few months ago, that just doesn't make sense to me. I'm gonna look into that because that seems even more ridiculous. We'd have to talk about that on the show too. Yeah, there's been one in Australia recently as well for touring parties where the price has gone up, um, but it won't really affect smaller bands. Where if you uh, a touring come if you come to Australia with a party smaller than 18, I think it was, mm-hmm. it stays the same. But if you're a, a big band like let's say if Slipknot or Deftones or someone comes to Australia and they bring, bring like their own production, their crew, mm. everything, they have like a crew of like God knows how many people. Oh, yeah. Just, just imagine it. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? right, right. Yeah, um, they would cost them a fortune because the, the visa price of a tour, large touring crew now to play festival-sized venues and stuff has gone up. Uh, I know that for a fact. And there was a big uproar in the underground scene on Facebook mm-hmm. about all this type of stuff the other month. Right. Um, but then uh, – an agent from Melbourne put it on Facebook just reassuring bands that, you know, smaller hard rock, post hardcore, metalcore, death metal bands will, will be will be fine and won't suffer for it because they're not a gigantuous touring party. Right, exactly. And I guess that's a good thing too that I wanted to mention. What is the scene like in Australia for post hardcore, metalcore? Because, you know, here we hear about Amity Affliction for sure. But oh, what, yeah, how else though? Like, what is that scene like for other parties? Um, in Australia, it's how can I put it? It's it's big. It is very. It is a very big genre with a very strong following. Mm-hmm. But unless you're really getting pumped, like publicity wise, and have the backing to get that kind of pumping, it's very difficult to really get like large touring opportunities and play bigger venues and stuff like that. 
okay. or the or bigger festivals and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. Okay. All right. It's, there's, there's a very there's a very big gap between bands that get amazing opportunities and bands that are playing like the local youth hall. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, sure. And it's very and because there's so many tours, I'm sure it is in America as well. There's just so, the market is just so flooded. There's only so much like disposable in- income kids and people have to come to shows, you know? Right. So picking and choosing what shows to go to, it's sort of like, it's difficult. Like why, why would they want to go see X band and X band when they can go see the Amity Affliction and Architects with Arsenal Alexandria and the ghost inside or something right. like the, so. most, the biggest packages you've ever seen. Right. Yes. So, well, wasn't a day to remember just over there recently too? A day to remember issues and tonight alive. Gotcha. That, that was the tour that just finished. Oh, it's still got a couple of shows left right now. One or the other. One or the other. Yeah, I'm sure they're coming back with the holidays too, I would assume. That, that tour was actually supposed to be uh, a day to remember and of mice and men. But um, but then obviously, yeah. Austin's sick or whatever again. So yeah. It's just, it seems like he even, I think he even posted recently that he's just never going to be better. That'd be emotionally and mentally draining for him. Mm-hmm. Like, especially for the following he has, poor guy. No, absolutely. No, for you know sure. I mean, like you, if you if you're in the position he's in, and then you are you're unable to perform your art, and that's that's what you're known for, it'd be be quite taxing mentally on him. You know what I mean? Like it's like when a an athlete you know tears ACL or something, and it's just it takes them out, and they may never ever come back to the sport that they love. It's all that shit. Yeah. Like it sucks. Yeah, just like uh, just like someone I know at the moment. Oh no! What happened? Oh, I just. Uh, like we spoke off air, I think yeah. uh, it, ju- it just happened. Uh, Blake Griffin's due for his uh, annual knee reconstruction or something. At the uh, right, that is true. <laughs> I did. Come on, the my annual, life. the annual one. My life. Uh, well, you know what? We should talk. We have to talk about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's no better transition than that. So uh, I just segued that perfectly. That, that was. <laughs> you have been listening to podcasts. I can tell. Oh man, I listen to so many podcasts. It's ridiculous. All right, before we get to basketball, I do have to ask about that. So what all are you listening to? Does it span? You talked about basketball podcasts off the air. You do some of the music ones. Are you just all over the place with NPR too? Like what are your favorite genres that you're listening to? Of music? Or anything. Yeah, you can talk about the music one. I mean, there are podcasts for everything. So I didn't know maybe you listen to video game ones. Maybe, you know. No, video game ones bore the hell out of me. Like straight up. They bore me like crazy. I'm huge, huge fan of Halo and Call of Duty and first persons and stuff. But mm-hmm. I, they just, I don't want to listen to someone talk about. It. I just want to kill people. You know what I mean? Exactly. I just want to, just want to get yelled at and schooled by some twelve year old. So, <laughs> um, no. Uh, uh, podcasts. I like listening to music ones, um, basketball ones. I'm big on the NBA lockdown, uh, open court, uh, mm-hmm. the Sports Illustrated NBA one, uh, music ones. I'm now new to Ian Hates Music. Yeah. Uh, yes. But uh, <laughs> I, I like listening to a lot of the stuff on the, the Jabberjaw podcast network. Ah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I like listening to the Adel, the new uh, Outer Loop one mm-hmm. um, by Mike Mowry at Outer Loop. I like listening to Shane from Silverstein's podcast. Absolutely. Break It Down with Matt Carter is one of my favorite podcasts. Oh, there you go. Um, uh, being a homer, I love listening to Clipcast. Um <laughs> And I love listening to the Vertical podcast with JJ Reddick. There you go. Yeah, man, I listen to uh, uh, Jamie from Hatebreed's podcast. Ah. He's incredible. Yeah, I know that one. He he's had that one for a long time. 
Oh, I love it. He's so good at it. Like, I wouldn't have expected it before, but I remember him coming out and doing that, like, I want to say years ago. He yeah. was on the scene way before podcasts were popular. If people want to hear a podcast, I str- strongly suggest they listen to the the Jasta show one, like the Jamie yep. from Hatebreed one, and listen to his uh, podcast with Josh James from Stick to Your Guns about, uh, how, he got, about how he got abducted in Egypt. That is a podcast. <laughs> if there was any band that would be talking about that, it would certainly oh, be Stick to Your Guns. Incredible podcast. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, and I also listen to uh, Brendan from uh, Bleeding Through's podcast as well. Oh, I didn't know about that one. What's the name yeah, of that one? Yeah, he has one. Uh, the, it's just straight up uh, the Brennan Chipetti show. Oh, okay. All right, gotcha. My problem is, I don't know. I, I guess it's not the same for artists and musicians like yourself. You can listen to other music, and it might influence you in more of a positive way. I don't listen to other podcasts because I never want anything that they're doing to seep into what I'm doing. Okay. You know what I mean? I don't know yeah. why that occurs. I just always feel like I never want to take anything that someone else is doing. Oh, well, for a, musically, for a, for a heavy band like us, oh, we sort of touch a lot of genres, I guess. But yeah. um, for, a, I guess, people would see us as a heavy band. I, I personally listen to a lot more rock. I listen to like uh, Anne Boleyn, mm-hmm. um, uh, like acoustic stuff, like, like I said, This Wildlife. Absolutely. I've always loved Dashboard Confessional. Um, I love Mill and Colin, Jimmy Eat World, oh, okay. um, stuff stuff like that. Um, been big on uh, uh, the Paris record. That was fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The White Noise record, I think it was. Yeah, they uh, yeah. they just won oh, like yeah. a Boston Music Award. I bet they did. Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That band, oh, that band just skyrocketed, but oh. they deserve it. That band is incredible. Yeah, I saw them live with Bring Me the Horizon and Issues, and Ooh. yeah, I didn't think they were gonna fit in. But they really like amp it up to a little bit heavier when they're doing the actual live stuff. Caliber of that show, that's gigantous. Yeah, that was that was at uh, the Worcester Palladium, the one that you guys played as well. Amazing. I yeah. love that place. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I wish the problem is everyone makes fun of Worcester. You know, I'm doing the show from Boston. Everyone makes fun of Worcester because it's a small, small city, but they get all the best bands there. Man, uh, like we're from Australia, so we don't care. We just play wherever yeah. the routing says. And we got there and we were like, this is the venue from the Killswitch DVD and we're playing this <laughs> stage. It's a full house. We're playing with our favorite bands and some and our friends. This is incredible. No, absolutely. So, so people in that area can give Worcester all the crap they want. <laughs> we love it. Oh, absolutely. Look, I love the Palladium. It's one of my favorite yeah. venues. It just sucks that it's an hour and a half away. Yeah, it's it sucks it's 16,000 kilometers away. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> Oh, man, that's funny. All right, sorry. We got to get back to the basketball. Here we go. Yeah, so I got to know. So tell me your background in basketball because you had mentioned off air. So did you say you played like semi-pro to pro level in Australia? Not as an adult. When I was a kid, Mm -hmm. I played representative in state basketball like that and playing for state champions and then going to nationals and stuff like that. I played a shooting forward. I I was six foot two at 14 years old. Oh, okay. So you and I are very similar. How tall are you right now? I didn't change six foot two. Oh, okay. All right. I'm six yeah. five, so I was the same. I was the Damn, same. Way. I needed that. I needed that. You needed that extra little bit. I needed that, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a crazy growth spurt. Um, my dad was always a. My dad worked for like. My dad's a shooting coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was he coached at like a state level for oh, shooting. Okay. Um, drilled it into me my whole entire life. Just right. basketball, basketball, and uh, I played representative for. From like I guess under twelves to under sixteens, okay. or till sixteen years old, 
And then I, I stopped playing because I finished school and just went into the real world and got a job and stuff. And I wasn't able to commit to traveling around and playing, I guess, just going from getting on the bus and playing and all that stuff. So yeah. I stopped. So, yeah, I was always – basketball's always just been a big part of my life and my family follows it religiously and I've always played it and, yeah. It's a big part of my family. Did your family pass down the love for the Clippers? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. What are they fans of? How did you become a Clippers fan? Uh, Well, I became a Clippers fan because I just got I fell in love with the game style. Really, but I I got off basketball for so long. When I when I left, when I stopped playing basketball and started working, I I went out and I just fell. I stopped basketball and got into music. Mm-hmm. And when I was 17, I started playing in my first real bands. I played guitar and stuff the whole time I was playing like basketball and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I never really took music that seriously until I was out of school and had a job and had money to buy amps and guitars and real stuff. And sure. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Started my first real bands and started touring properly at about, yes, about 17 around Australia. Oh, okay. Um, I only really got it back into basketball about really, really really hard probably around the time just before probably would have been just before the time blake got drafted really i think oh, okay so i was so off it i didn't didn't even really watch it or follow it at all the australian bas- professional basketball league went to the can it just was nothing anymore and it didn't exist because mm-hmm. i was a massive sydney King- sydney kings fan ah okay um, so basketball just wasn't a part of my life again and then one day i started like watching it again and i was just like like getting big on, you know, like DeAndre Jordan and I was getting big, like didn't like, I like the Sam Cassell thing and I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> I was, you know, I, was, I, was, I really, I, I liked it, you know, we were starting to get, we are starting to get a lot of good players at like the back end of their career and whatnot. And, true, true. Yeah, it was a place where people go to die, you know what I mean? The um, Clippers. So. Unfortunately for you, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm really honest, like I said. Yeah, hey, but, that's uh, good. But yeah, I ended up falling and went out. You know, when Blake got drafted, it got more exciting. You know, obviously Chris Paul coming across. I'm sure. I'm sure some uh, bandwagoners came with him as well. Absolutely. But, um, but you know, I'm a. I'm happy to say I'm a Clippers supporter. A very, very sad, but hurt Clippers supporter every year. But <laughs> hey, but at least you're happy though. At least you're a happy, sad Clippers supporter. Oh uh, yeah, at least, at least, at least we're a 500 team now. True. Now. <laughs> now, yes. After what, like last night's game? Oh, dude, I love last night's game. Last night's game was fantastic. No Blake and just smacking it from everywhere. It was sweet. <laughs> I don't, I don't miss a game. I don't miss a game, dude. I'll, I'll watch every game. I'm really? Diehard, but I'm a diehard Clips fan to a death, and I'll probably never see a championship. But we'll, we'll maybe get there. Maybe, maybe. Strong, maybe. We'll, we'll get there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, not gonna jump on anyone. I'm just gonna stick with my team. I chose it, and it's on. That's the way you have to be. Once you stick uh, with that please. team, that's true. I believe for my teams, man. You won't see me going anywhere. I've got two teams myself that I follow religiously. One's professional soccer. The other one is NBA. So you're going to hate me when I tell you what this team is, though, by the way. Are you a Man United fan, though? Oh, no. Oh, oh. We're supposed to be friends, Ian. Oh, no. Are you Man U? Yeah. Oh, I'm done. I just pressed the button. We're, we're done. No. Do you, you do know what fan I am then, right? I've been a Liverpool Sorry. supporter since I've been three years old. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. That's all right. That's, that's, that's okay. Now, how long have you been a Man U supporter? Oh, my family's Man U family as well. All the way? My dad's, my dad's a crazy Man U I fan. gotcha. Well, as long as it's been for a while, because we just get, here in the U.S., we just get all the bandwagon jumpers. No, no. I've got, my, my, no, my dad was giving me old Manchester United jerseys when I was a kid. It was like, you know, 
Like old sharp sponsors across the chest. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yep. I remember that. Yeah, that's why all my closet's full of the Carlsberg all the way, you know, from the Reebok to the Adidas, the, all all over. But, okay. So, basketball, though. We might have to go back to that one. But basketball. Right, who, do follow? who do you follow? Two teams since I was three years old. Liverpool and the San Antonio Spurs. That's okay. my team. So, five times, you know. <laughs> Oh God! Sorry, I don't think I don't think you understand how loud I yelled when Chris Paul banked that shot over Duncan. <sighs> oh my God! There's a reason why I'll always hate the Clippers just because of certain issues like that. But then I look at your history. Like, look, I love Doc Rivers because he was yeah, a spur. I, I get a lot. I get I get given a lot of crap for him. Everyone's like, "Well, you go for that team that has the coach that looks like a fucking Ninja Turtle." <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. It's so true. It really is. <laughs> you can't deny that. That's for sure. It's not Blake's fault. You have put your chips on one team, and it's not moving. I think I believe I said, yes, 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 yes. Go home and get fucked, you San Antonio Spurs, you pack of old fucks. <laughs> Go the mighty underdog Los Angeles Clippers in our own house. We are one. We are LA. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look at it. That's what I just looked. I had to look into what I posted uh, when Chris that shot. Oh, that's funny. Is that twenty? What eleven? Maybe. Man, I was so emotional that day. <laughs> I'm trying to remember no, what years we won it. So I guarantee. I guarantee that was on May third. Oh, there it is! Wow. <laughs> so we're on Skype for people that don't know, and he just showed me the picture on his phone. <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. That's fine. I had, I had to be. Yeah, I had, had quite a few. I was quite emotional that day. It was a uh, May third, two thousand fifth. It was uh, two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Oh, two thousand fifteen. No, was, was it? it really? It must have been fourteen. I oh, know. I think Instagrams. Well, if it was, if it was fourteen, we won it that year. So I wouldn't be too sad about that. Yeah, yeah. You won. Yeah, it was. You won it in fourteen. You had a, had a nice first round exit thanks to Chris Paul the year following year. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> there you go. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes total sense. All right. Well, yeah, you, know, I, you, come, you come into my house and I've just got Clippers flags everywhere, Blake yeah. Griffin signature balls on the mantelpiece. It's yeah, it's pretty full on. Yeah, I bought a ton of Spurs stuff. Whenever they win, I always buy like some memorabilia of like the court piece or something like that. You got to Yeah, you got to do. You got to support. I would. I would. I would too. It's a. It's a. It's a rare thing. You know what I mean? It's. A, yeah. it's uh, it, it, even though you've even though you've got a handful yourself, it is a rare thing to you know win it, especially when you're a Clippers supporter. Oh yes, that is. That is <laughs> no, but yeah, that day I was a uh, quite some heavy, heavily emotional foul language in my Instagram post. Quite passionate for the win, you know. I can imagine. I can absolutely. Oh, yeah. imagine. When, when, you, when, you're the, when you're the laughing stock of the NBA, beating the the biggest, you know, the, the previous champions, it's quite a big deal. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is. That's, I, hey, I'll take the lumps. I understand. I understand. Uh, everyone, can, at least I'm a brutally, at least I'm an honest Clippers supporter. You know what I mean? I'm no, happily tell you the way. I'm, I'll happily tell you the way it is. Very true. At some point, I'm just gonna have to have you on when it's Man U versus Liverpool, and we might just have to talk after that sometime too. Yeah, well, we can do that if you want. Um, I, well, we'll be winning, so uh, it'll be it'll be early in the morning. God. Oh yeah, well, I forgot that. Yeah, that time difference would be. Really, I mean, you know, we're going to the bars right now. At 7 a.m. to watch the matches. Yeah, we can have some fun tomorrow. When Eclipse and Spurs is tomorrow, anyway. Oh wow, what a yeah. great time to be doing this! All right, then I'll, I will definitely have to talk to you then for sure. Yeah, I'll, tw- I'll tweet at you from the band account. There you go, that works. Well, let me ask you this because wow, I just looked at the time too. I don't want to take up too much of it. But so we talked basketball. 
Are you a yeah. movie fan as well? Anything you've seen in 2016? Oh, damn. Really? I've, I've more Netflix originals than movies, hey? Oh, okay. Anything you I can think, recommend for that? Like this year, I've, uh, people would have, you know, when something gets hyped on Netflix, everyone generally knows knows about it. So, sure. But I've really enjoyed, like, you know, I loved Making a Murderer. I loved um, Stranger Things. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm actually quite, uh, the Scream series wasn't bad. Hey, I totally agree. I'm a huge Scream fan on the movie yeah, podcast. Sure. Yeah, we just yeah. did. It was the 20th anniversary yesterday of oh, the first movie. Dude. Huge fan, huge fan. That changed horror, man, that movie. It, it really did. Unfortunately, there were a lot of really shitty movies that came after it, but that mm. movie. But in saying that, when it comes to Scream 2, 3, and 4, I enjoyed them. You can repackage it all you want. It's solid. I have to try and it still twists my mind. I have to figure out who's the killer, and it's, it's, I love it. What did you think of 4? <laughs> oh, it was, I got through it pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's probably the right way to say it. But, um, right. I think the Scream series was on Netflix. The two seasons were real enjoyable. Yep. Um, actually, I actually just finished um, the OA. I heard about that, but I haven't watched yeah. that yet. It, it's really good. Okay. And um, I'm also like one episode of finishing the series of Shooter. That's that, that one movie. on USA, right? You know the movie Shooter with like Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've done a series on that movie and like the get the guys, all the characters are the same name, different actors, but you know, obviously same names and stuff. But they've, it's the same concept as a, of the movie, but there's different spin offs and stuff. And it's, it seems it's pretty good so far. Ryan Felipe, is that the one? I believe so. Okay. Yes. All right. Just trying to make sure I got it right in my mind. Okay. That's worth checking out then, too. You're more of a Netflix person than a movie person. I got you. Yeah. Unless, and yeah, unless, a, unless an absolute cracker of a movie comes out you know what i mean just sure. something awesome I'm trying to think of the last movie i think probably the, i haven't seen rogue one yet but the last star wars i was so impressed really okay were you a big star wars fan before or did this really get you back into it oh no i enjoyed it i wasn't like a crazy fan like michael our guitarist with his he's everything star wars oh, okay. everything <laughs> all the way down to his tat all the way down to his tattoos ah gotcha okay and he's he, like when we're in japan he was he bought Star Wars glasses so he can drink his Coca-Cola out of Star Wars glasses. I see. He's just, yeah, if there's some Star Wars, he'll, he'll get it. He's that big of a fan. Understood. Do you have tattoos, by the way? Yeah, I have my, like my arm and my chest on and a couple other little ones. Oh, okay. But not Star Wars related? No, not at all. <laughs> no. Like my, Michael, our guitarist, is so Star Wars. He was going into complete details with me yesterday about the difference between the new Millennium Falcon and the old one. Ah, that must have been riveting. Oh, I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I got a lot of laughs in today. This don't is good. Get, don't get him, yeah, don't get him started on the new look satellite dish on top of the Millennium Falcon. It's square and not circle anymore, apparently. Well, it's that wind in space that they have to worry oh, about. Man. Now it's less resistant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard mixed really really mixed reviews on rogue one so we didn't do it for the movie podcast because yeah. the host that i have she loves star wars so much but she's a purist so she okay. doesn't want to do any off story brands of star wars okay so yeah it's just the way it is instead we just did gremlins hey good movie yeah i love that I'm movie. A big, uh yeah i'm a big 80s movie guy really love love my like ghostbusters series my back to the future series my karate kid series sure like, yeah, Big absolutely. Fan. We just talked Gremlins. We we're gonna do Fast Times at Ridgemont High be, okay. because I heard that my co-host Kelly had never seen it before. Yeah, she's got to see it. Have you seen Better Off Dead? I've heard of that. Yeah, John but... Cusack. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good '80s movie. 
But yeah, I'm still trying. I'm still trying to get all these people that haven't seen the Sandlot and the Goonies and stuff to watch oh. it. You know, people people these days, man, come on, sort it out. Not only have I seen Sandlot, I've seen the second and third one. Oh, I won't go there, bro. <laughs> I won't. Go, I won't go there. That'll ruin it for me. Probably the second one's terrible. The third one's passable, but okay. Anyway, all right. I've taken up way too much of your time. I just wanted no. to once again thank you for being on the show, but then also thank you for the new album because it is really great. As you know, Jackson and I love it. I'm going to have links in the description of the episode for everything Sienna Skies so that they can support you, get some merch bundles, do whatever. But right now, what's the best way to support you guys? The uh, best way to support our band straight up is would li- literally be just to grab our music video from Divided and just plaster it anywhere you can on social networking and just tell someone about our band. Um, yeah. If you want to dig in further, um, all our music's available on iTunes. Um, uh, our online stores, like we manage in our own big cartel and post it all ourselves and whatnot, and that all that comes straight directly to the band, and that helps us, you know, it's going to help us pay for gas on our rent-a-van in Europe and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, and help us pay for extra $200 per head on US visas yeah. when that comes around <laughs> again. Um, but yeah, and yeah, thanks for having me on, and um, I spoke, I was speaking to the guys in the van in Japan when I told them I was uh, coming on, on your show, um, they said to say a big thank you to you guys for the real for the kind words on the review, and especially the most humbling was when you guys said uh, div- you'd put divided in the category for song of the year. Like that really felt amazing to hear. Like, oh yeah, we were so. No, it's absolutely genuine too, and that's the thing. If you continue listening to the show, as you've heard some of the other stuff, I only have people on this show, especially for the interview show, mm-hmm. because I love their music. I don't Definitely. let anyone try and get other people on the show. Like it's only if I like the music. Yeah, and we and we also too we truly dig the new Crystal Lake as well. Plug. Ah, yes, absolutely. we're friends with the bass player from that band. Oh yeah, are you guys any chance of like a tour together at all? Oh, we'd love to. Um, we know a couple of people um, and sort of spoken about some things, but we like we personally don't really know the whole band. Like we know one member quite well, sure, and he's a really good dude. Um, and like I said, we know a couple of agents and stuff over there. And we've said that we'd be interested in doing something together okay. and whatnot because they're a dope band. And oh, yeah. um, the guy from the band that we know is amazing, great guy. And it'd be, we, you know, we both released records on the same day. So, yeah. be, so I guess our album cycle is going to go for the same amount of time. Yeah, actually, that's very so true. It'd be cool to team up and do something. Um, but yeah, that, that album is unreal and I've got nothing nice to say about it. nothing but nice nothing yes there you go (laughs) you corrected that was a good correction that was good well i had a bit of a had a bit of a brain fart just then it's the jet lag oh kind of and it's like about to pour rain or something oh there you go (laughs) well josh no no excuse no no excuse excuse. (laughs) i I have nothing but good things to say about that record well josh thank you once again and thank you for the darker shade of truth because like i said we were very genuine. That is a great album. Everyone should pick it up. Everyone should listen to it. And yeah, I'll definitely get on even throwing Divided everywhere I can as well. Yeah, really appreciate it, man. Thank you Absolutely. very much. Yeah, thank you, man.
Oh, man. I love the lead-up on that song that you just heard. That was Clear Eyes off the new album by Sienna Skies, A Darker Shade of Truth, as you just heard in the conversation with Josh. So tell me that that wasn't a great way to start off 2017. I really enjoyed myself. I hope you did as well. I know Josh did. You heard it there first. Europe, make sure you keep your eyes and ears open for when Sienna Skies is going to make it over there because you are going to love them live. I can't wait till they come back to the States. They're just a really great band, and it's a really great album. So make sure you support Josh and Sienna Skies. I'm just going to say this for people that don't know how to spell it. Sienna is S-I-E-N-N-A. Sienna Skies. I'm going to have links in the description of this episode for all the different ways you can support them. Make sure to pick up a copy of A Darker Shade of Truth because it is really one of my favorite albums of 2016. So much passion, so much great music. Make sure you check it out in Vogue Records, Sienna Skies, A Darker Shade of Truth. You can also support Ian Hates Music. And once again, all the links are in the description of the episode. There's also the weekly Ian Hates Music, where myself and Jackson go over all the news in the scene, as well as album reviews and whatever really comes up that we want to talk about. So you can check that out in the description as well. And lastly, to end this off right, I'm going to play the final track of A Darker Shade of Truth. It's called Separated Hearts. It's the track that Josh talked about during our conversation. I think it's a great way to end this episode and to really start 2017 off right. I was very, very happy to get this done and really talk to a great band. So Josh, once again, thank you very much for coming on the show. I look forward to talking to you again and all the best in the future to you and everyone. Let's make this 2017 fucking awesome. Here's Separated Hearts, and I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone. Hey, are you still awake? I just woke up in Vancouver And I haven't slept in days And hey, are you still awake? It's 3 a.m. and I can't seem to shake The smile from my face I know that I've been missing home I don't remember where that was One thing that I promise you Is that I'll be home soon These traveler nights don't feel so
These traveler nights don't feel so 